If you would this morning turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you've read and studied Corinthians, you'll you'll know right where we're going and uh, and what is there. But if you've not, then uh, we're going to uh, spend just a little bit of time right here reading just a few verses in in 1 Corinthians. Corinthians, you know, Corinthians is is one of these books. And by the way, we have. Um, I love to see people that have have had to leave before that have come back, and so we're all we're so glad to have Krista here with us today. And uh, you know, just had to make a mention of that. I know you don't get embarrassed easily, so you know that was a weak clap. Come on, let's give her a little round of applause. Yeah, um, it's good to celebrate. It's good to celebrate, and it's good to have people that have uh, helped helped us along the way, and and you know, have left on good terms, huh? How about that? Left on good terms. She had to move away. 1 Corinthians 12. Corinthians is one of these books where Paul is writing to a troubled church. Uh, Paul is writing to troubled people. Uh, Sound familiar? If you've been in church for any length of time, there will be troubles that happen. Uh, If you've been a human for any length of time, you're going to involve yourself in trouble. Whether that was caused by you or someone else, there's trouble around. So this book, this epistle, is for us. For our church, for our life. Just notice these few verses here. And again, I'm going to read a text that normally is interpreted one way, but I'm going to pull one thing off and spring from that. So notice this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, now that's not like what we say in the deep south, you know, oh, they're a pagan, meaning morally speaking, this meant that they actually worshipped items in nature. Uh, so when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, dumb idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking, notice this, in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Jesus, thank You for Your Word. Your Word is powerful. It is a two-edged sword, both cutting and healing at the same time. Just like the scalpel uh, of a surgeon, Lord, we need You to help us and heal us today. Would You show us where we need that healing most? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There are some strange things that happen in church. Uh, there's, a, there's a popular show uh, right now, Stranger Things, but I can tell you that there's some stranger things in church than even that's in that show. Uh, and that is some of these words that we use, some of the concepts that we assume people coming in may know. I mean, we're singing about blood, drinking it. People could really misunderstand this. And early in the church, they did misunderstand this. We know we have some correspondence from the Romans who misunderstood. They thought that, they, that the early Christians were cannibals. They did. And because they told each other they loved each other, they thought they were sexually involved with each other. Uh, but instead, it was a family love, not a sexual love. There's words like circumcision. Uh, that always surprised my students in, in, uh, in Bible classes. And 
uh, and, and I've had someone pass out before by me mentioning what circumcision was, literally started seizing. I, uh, I had a guy yell out in surprise and terror once it was mentioned, literally in class, scared the girl beside her. Um, I've, had, I've had people give you very funny looks, circumcision. Why would we even mention something like that in church? Well, it's in the Bible. Um, it's in the Bible. Not only the Old Testament. It's not one of those things that just shows up in the Old Testament. It shows up in the New Testament. Circumcision of the heart. There are some strange things that happen. Words that we use. Sacrifice. A cross. Death. To life. There's things that can be misunderstood. And one of those things, one of those things that I want to begin to deal with and have been dealing with for the past few weeks is sanctification. Big word, a word that you probably never use in your business, uh, never use at work or with your friends. Uh, you know, I'm sanctified. You know, it, it, I don't know how well that would go over. Uh, the terminology is a little odd to us. Some of us are very fuzzy on what exactly it is and what God is trying to do through sanctification. But rest assured, it is in the Bible and therefore we want to deal with it. We want to understand it better. And so, let me start off with this. With this, Charter Business Spectrum, I think is what they call it, sends me a letter ever so often. And it's a very enticing letter. It's one that says you can have business speed at your home on the internet. Cable internet. And so, I get excited. You know, I see this. But if I call that number... We don't get charter in our neighborhood where I'm at. Now, my neighbor does, but we don't. All right, They send it to me anyway, enticing me uh, to buy their product, but when I call, they can't give it to me. You know what I found out is that a lot of Christians think of the Christian life like that. We make a lot of promises here at church. God can do this for you. He can save you, not just forgive you, but heal you. He can break addiction. He can do it. He can make your marriage better. He can make you better. But we never really live that out. It's like getting that piece of paper, but we call up and it never happens. It's a problem. Is that the norm? Is that the Christian life? Does Romans 7 end it for us? I want to do good but can't. That's it. Just do the best you can. Is that it? Or did Jesus offer something stronger than that? Jesus doesn't just want to make your marriage better. He doesn't just want to make your life better your job better. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was murdered by the Nazis in 1947 as the Allies were coming in to rescue, said in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, when Jesus bids a person to come and follow Him, He bids them come and die. That's the only offer that's on the table. There is no other offer. You cannot have your way and Yahweh. Period. 
You cannot be Lord and He Lord. That is impossible. That's a square circle. It's not going to happen. And notice what Paul says here. In the midst of controversy, in the midst of a battle about spiritual gifts, a battle of people pushing in front of the line to be first at Corinth, even pushing in line for communion. Paul says these words. Notice again in verse 3. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Is He Lord of your life? Talk, when we come down to this, is cheap. Talk's cheap. It's easy to talk a good talk, isn't it? How's things going? Oh, great. Fine. How's the family? Oh, they're doing well. Are they? Are you? (laughs) It'd be surprising, wouldn't it, if somebody was able to live with us? Right? One thing I've learned is, you know, you can be anybody you want to in three months, but not three years. The real you emerges. I think that's why people church hop. I really do. I don't, I don't think it's preference. I think it's... Uh, I just don't really want people to see who they really are. You know what the Gospel offers us? You know what Jesus, God Himself, offers to us? Is that we don't have to be like that. We can lay that life down. But we don't want to. We don't want to. There's no other way to say it than we want our way. I want my way. Is He Lord of your lips? This right here, the first thing Paul really deals with here is what we say. And what we say is important. People say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. No, they'll crush you. They'll kill you. They'll mess you up for life. It won't just hurt. And yet, some of the harshest words we reserve are for family members. Husbands and wives. Parents and children. Not if He's Lord. Not if He's Lord. Some of us have a critical tongue. We slice people up with our words. For whatever reason. But not if He's Lord. Instead, what God wants us to do with our lips is appreciation. Gratitude. Forgiveness. Mercy. Read James... James is one of these guys that just his his epistle punches you right in the gut. You want a good punch? Just go to James. No matter who you are, you're going to find something there where it's like, ouch. One of those things is the tongue. What do you do with your lips? What comes off those lips, really? That's important. Is he Lord there? What about our bodies? What about our bodies? You know, it's funny to me. (laughs) 
how, how things change, how dress changes, how lifestyles change. You know, we oftentimes say to ladies, you know, hey, you shouldn't dress provocatively. But some of us need to say to some men, hey, why don't you dress up a little bit? Slobbery, it's not your body. Now, you don't have to dress exquisite. Nobody's saying that. Thankfully, in Christianity, we have great freedom. Great freedom in Jesus. There's not one way to dress. We never even hear what Jesus wore. That's fantastic. But you know what? If you notice in the Old Testament and throughout, there's preparation made to come before Him. You don't just lollygag into His presence. We're meeting with God Almighty. Now we're going to enforce a dress code? Absolutely not. That'd be blasphemy. But how we present ourselves to each other and to God is a reflection of what we're doing with our body. What are we doing with our body? In a world where we're told you can do whatever you want to with your body. The mantra today is, it's my body. And Jesus is the exact opposite of that. It's my body given for you. What is our body used for? Just to sit down in front of media, wasting away our body? Not to even mention eating, huh? Which is almost a sport in America, isn't it? Hey, I'm all about it. Listen, I'm, I'm right there. But you know what? The Scripture doesn't ask us to fast. It commands it. When you fast, it's assumed. It's not an option. If you've never fasted, talk with me about how you can get into taking some small steps. It's not your body. Is He Lord of your body? What are you doing with that thing? It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. What's happening there? Remember Ezekiel has this vision of where he goes to the temple? And he sees some things there that are atrocious. They're killing babies. They're looking at pornographic images on the wall. They're worshiping other gods. What's happening in our body? Our temple. If we were to visit your temple, what's going on there? Is he Lord? Might not smoke, might not drink, but some Christians, they're champs at at the eating thing. And it's a problem. Gluttony is a sin. I I don't like to talk about it. You don't like to talk about it. It's sort of the unspoken evangelical sin. I go to some pastor's conferences sometimes, I'm like, wow. 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 What we do with our body matters. I don't like it any more than you do. What we do with food matters. What we put in our body matters. How we take care of our body matters because it's not ours. It's God's. <laughs> I like to be positive. I like to be uh, upbeat. But is He Lord? Because we just kind of bebop through. 
Everything's just an encouraging word, pat on the back, out a boy, out a girl. And one of you goes to hell under my watch. Guess who's going to take responsibility of that? It's on me. I'm just asking a question. Is he Lord? Not pointing a finger. Is he Lord? Some of you drink too much. Shouldn't be every night. Shouldn't have to go there. If you can't fast from that, it's a problem. It's a problem. Read the scriptures. Real quiet in here today, huh? Everybody all right? All right, all right. Say, well, I've got a nub right now. I may lose my leg here in a second, you know? It's all right. Trust me, before you get hit, I always get hit first, all right? Um, just know that. If, you, if you're a preacher, you know that. What about at home? That's a tough one. Sometimes behind this sacred desk, the person's not finished with what they're calling you to even. Does that make sense? In other words, right here at my home, God's had to give me a punch to the gut this week. How do you talk to your kids? It's very easy to be our worst at home. It's time for me to relax now. I'm done with this. Putting it on face, taking my mask off, and the real you emerges. And it's very ugly. And you don't even like it. You know what? There's good news. God can make you into something beautiful. That's the truth of the gospel. He can take the ugliness in my life, mine, and make it into something beautiful. I've seen it happen before. The way I used to look down on other people, no one never knew. But I used to look down on other people. Certain kinds of people. Nothing to do with race. More so intelligence. And you know what? God healed that in me. Thanks be to God. God. I mean, literally, when He healed my heart on that, I didn't have to try to love people. I actually did. And I cared about them in a deeper way than I could have ever put a mask on to show. Take the mask off. Confess your sin. And ask Him to heal it. One time, I was uh, splitting wood with my father and my brother. And um, I had an 8-pound or maybe a 12-pound splitting axe, which if you know, it's got the big anvil on the back, right? It's got the part where if you get in a bind, you can actually just hit it like a sledgehammer. And so it's pretty heavy. It's pretty heavy to swing. I'm sitting there swinging it. I wedged it into some gum wood. You know what I'm talking about? That, I mean, just try, I dare you to try to split some of that stuff. In one shot, you know. Some of us, before you start splitting wood and try to be all manly, make sure you know what kind of wood it is. <laughs> You're gonna make a fool of yourself. Which I, uh, I lit into that gum wood, boom, and got it, got it about that far in. And man, it wasn't coming out. You know what I'm saying? I'm sitting, I'm sitting here, banging on the end of this thing, try to, try to pop it out from being wedged. So I put my hand on the wood, boom, boom, boom. Finally came out and slammed right down on my thumb. And I just grabbed my thumb up and, you know what I mean? 
I didn't know what else to call it, so I ran inside, you know, and I'm just screaming, and I'm like almost hyperventilating. I thought I lost my thumb. I'm just, my whole life before me is flashing before me without a thumb. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it wasn't any longer this little magic trick. It was, I didn't have a thumb anymore, you know? And, and I'm just like, he's like, let me see it. I'm like, no, I can't do it. I'll drop it. I'll drop it. Let me see it. I'll drop it. I'll drop it. Now let me, let me see it. And he just finally jerked it away from me. My thumb wasn't off. Still have a scar there, some stitches that, that put it back together, but it just bounced off the bone. Um, wasn't sharp enough to cut it in half or off. You know what? We do that kind of stuff in our Christian life, don't we? We want to scream about things, get all bent out of shape and angry and hot and bothered about things. But we won't show, we won't show the one person who can heal. Just show him. It's not like he hadn't seen it before. He's seen much worse. And he's dealt with much worse. He's the great physician. <laughs> Is he Lord at home? Because if he's Lord, not Lord at home, that's a real good indication that he's not Lord of your heart. It's real easy at church to be a sanctified believer. It is. Look, I've played the game before. It's empty. Vapid. Why play the game when you can have the reality? It's one thing to shoot a gun on a video game. It's another thing to shoot a gun in real life. Why choose the fake? Don't. Don't just fake it. Really show Jesus where you need help at home. Couldn't we just agree all together so you can help me out a little bit this morning that we all need help at home? There you go. See, that wasn't so hard. I don't have Tammy here to help me out. Y'all got to bump the level up, right? We all need help at home. Let's ask for it. Let's ask for it this week. Let's ask for it today and see what God wants to do in our homes. What, you know, it's got to start in our hearts and move to our homes before it ever comes out here. God's wanting to do something powerful. Is He Lord at home? What about of your entertainment? You know. We have lots and lots of entertainment. Yet we're the most bored generation there is. Bored to tears. Have more options than ever has been given to us. Just like my kids sit in a room filled with millions of toys. And they say they're bored. Then they go over to somebody else's house, they have like two toys. And they're fantastically playing together. I'm like, alright, let's have a bonfire. Let's burn it all. Don't we need to get rid of some stuff though in our life in the entertainment industry? Sometimes we can get caught into streaming to where our life is literally streaming away. We don't know what we've done the past two months. I'll tell you a couple shows we watched, but who we've helped, who we've been discipling, what are we really supposed to be about? Look, I love entertainment just as much as the next guy. But is he lord of your entertainment? It took me going to, uh, to a camp this, this year to really 
connect with Jessica in a way deeper than we have been in a long time. And it was because we didn't have Netflix. We didn't have a TV at all in that little cabin for about 10 days. Didn't even have an air conditioner, God forbid, right? We would say in the South. It's up in Michigan, thankfully. So we made it. Just down to me and her at night. You know what? We got to talk. Wasn't me and her in the phone. Me and her in the TV. Me and her in the laptop. Me and her in the iPad. Instead, it was just us. Is he Lord of your entertainment? What about your business? What about it's your business? Are you somebody completely different that we wouldn't even recognize at your business? Are you some kind of incognito Christian? Can't work like that. Can't work like that. You say, well, it's difficult. Yeah, nobody ever said it wasn't going to be. You and Jesus need to figure that out. You know, would there be any evidence to convict you being a Christian at work? Are you just trying to fly under the radar? Because the Scripture is real clear. If you're ashamed of Him, He will be ashamed of you. I don't want Him to be ashamed of me. What about Lord of your plans? Lord of your money? Lord of your resources? Lord of your attention? <laughs> um, what do you do with your resources? I don't know. I don't look. Some people think the pastor has all access to everything that you give. I don't. I don't want that. But you know who is looking? It's God. You're, you're in this audience of one. So what do you do with your resources? I don't just mean your paycheck. I mean your vehicle. How do you give your vehicle to God? What would that look like? What would it look like Jesse's car being in a wreck and Brian letting him use his truck? That's what it looks like. What does your resources look like? Finding out a family's in need, giving to that family. That's how. That happens right here. Real time. I'm just covering up the names for that. For the purpose that they get the joy that the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is giving. And you know what they told me? This is awesome. They gave a substantial amount of money. And God gave them back that exact amount of money in a neat way. And I was celebrating with them. It was an awesome, awesome thing. What are you doing with your resources? Is He Lord of those? Or you know, oh, I don't make enough money to give. If you don't give when you have a little money, you're not going to give when you have a lot of money. It starts with small steps. Is He Lord of your resources? What you have? What about your worship? What about your fears? We could go on and on. Is He Lord? It's a simple question. You say, well, that's sort of depressing, man. It is. It is to take inventory, isn't it? You know, sometimes I go out in my garage and it's very depressing. The whole I've just cleaned it up and you know what? There's a bunch of garbage everywhere. It was like a landfill. Can't even park my truck in there. I get depressed. You know what you got to do about that, right? You got to do something. Got to clean the thing out. Jerk everything out. Clean it up. Put it back in there and throw some stuff away. That's the cycle of my life. 
should be the cycle of our Christian life. We need to lay it all out on the table. Say, Lord, what do you want to give back to me to keep doing? What do you want to take away? Are we willing to pray a prayer like that? That's a bold prayer. How is this possible? Paul says very clearly how it's possible, and that is through the Holy Spirit. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can live right, righteous, holy at home, at your work. The real you can actually be changed. You don't, Christianity is not about trying harder, covering up more. If you're doing that, you're playing the wrong kind of game. Stop playing and go seek the reality. Because you will find when you seek, the Bible says. You come knocking at His door, He's going to answer. We can have the fullness of God. We're not talking about, do you have the Spirit? But instead, does the Spirit have all of you? It's kind of the difference between uh, what they oftentimes say, the chicken and the pig at breakfast. You've heard this? No? The chicken, he's committed. Get your eggs, you know. But the pig, he surrendered. Right? Bacon. You know, only way to get bacon is he's got to die. The chicken doesn't have to die. He can just stay committed and, you know, still live in charge of his life. The pig, he's all in. Pig's all in. And it's a sweet smelling aroma when I smell bacon, but the pig's all in. Which are we? Are we just committed to Jesus? Just added Jesus to another part of our life, like adding kids to soccer? Having something else to do during the week? Is that what small group is to you? Just another thing, having to go to church? Just a commitment? Are you all in? The only way to be a Christian is to be all in. The only help he offers is to be made perfect. What do you think heaven's going to be like? A bunch of selfish, angry people? How do you get to heaven? What happens? Something magical? Sanctification. Happens right now, right here, this week, showing at your home, showing at your business, showing in your hobbies, showing with what you do with your time. Is He Lord? He can be is the good news. He can be and He can transform all the garbage in our life into something beautiful. Just try it and see if He won't do it. Because He absolutely will. As we saw last week from Malachi, He will come through with His promises. He's here to heal. Is He Lord of your life? It's a tough, tough question to ask. It's one we don't like to ask. Have we surrendered fully to Him? Or do we find this thing of being holy still strange? Are we still serving dumb idols during the week? This is New Testament. This is 2016. What idols do you have at home that when you go home you just need to throw them away? Break them. Delete them. Purge them. We're going to sing a song in a minute, Refiner's Fire. Rachel was telling me before church, she said, I looked up some artwork to go along with that, and it was too gruesome to show. 
This refiner's process is not something for the weak. God's inviting us into the blast furnace. And it's scary. You're going to lose your way, but what you will gain is far better than what you could ever build with your life. We think we can do it better than God? Really? No. You've already tried your way. We've all already tried our way. It's not going to work. Why not go His way? Why not trust Him today, right now, and make Him Lord? When we do, by the power of the Spirit, He will make us new. He will transform. Not just better our life, transform our life. Amen.